going to uh, camp and uh, take the journey with these next eight weeks. It's different because this book documents the search of a man who's attempting to find happiness and pleasure and joy and satisfaction apart from God. Now you'd think, well, this is the Bible. It should be all about finding God, but this is his search. He calls himself the teacher, the professor, if you will, and he's taking us on a journey and he's telling us, when you try to find pleasure and joy and satisfaction in life, apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, this is what it looks like. That, that's the journey. And we're going to be on this search uh, called Ecclesiastes, and it's going to be pretty wild. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, occurred when Israel was at its zenith. In other words, it was at its most rich and its most powerful and uh, the king, therefore, had the opportunity to have the most influence, and he had the ability to go and test and check out and try out everything. And pretty much, that's what we're going to find he does. Take your Bible, grab your phone, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, this is how it begins, the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Israel. I'm convinced the only person this could apply to is Solomon. Uh, he was the second son of David and Bathsheba. You'll recall the first son died as a consequence for their rebellion. This would be son number two. Don't know the first son's name, not recorded, but this would be Solomon and Solomon succeeded King David, and he was the one who had the privilege, the honor of building the temple, the first temple in Jerusalem. So King Solomon, he would be the third king, King Saul, King David, King Solomon. And here's what you need to know. He reigned in a time of tremendous peace and prosperity. They didn't have enemies, there weren't wars to be fought, there was peace in the land, and in his early reign, Solomon served the Lord faithfully. Early in his reign, he was doing it God's way, um, but I want you to turn with me, go to 1 Kings 10 and verse 23, I want to show you a little bit what the book of Kings tells us about Solomon. First thing, I've already said this, but I want to show you, 1023, 1 Kings, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings on earth. He was the man. He was the one the other kings looked up to. This was the emperor who had it all. He had great riches. He had great wisdom. But here's what you need to understand. As his wealth and power and influence increased, his dependence and obedience to Jehovah God decreased. So pretty soon now, he's pretty full of himself. 
And scripture tells us that Solomon drifted. He strayed, he wandered far from the Lord his God. Tracking with me? So early in his reign, walking closely with God, and now he's getting more wealthy, more powerful, more famous, and suddenly now, I think I can do it on my own. Seems that he got the big head. That's what Diana Womack calls this. You get the big head. He began trusting his earthly wisdom, his wealth, his power, instead of trusting the Lord, his God. 1 Kings chapter 11. I want to read a few verses to you. Here's what it says. Verses 1 to 6, 1 Kings 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they'll surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. In other words, I love you more than I love you, Jehovah God. Verse 3, he had 700 wives of royal birth. <laughs> Let's just say it out loud. Stupid. Come on. <laughs> what, what are you thinking? He wasn't. And 300 concubines. And notice the following line. And his wives led him astray. And his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old... <clears throat> His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Verse 5, really sad. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. Catch this, the wealthiest, the most influential, the wisest king on earth was led astray by his thousand wives and concubines. Instead of leading, he allowed his harem to lead him astray. He should have been the godly leader, but instead he allowed them to lead him astray. And I want you to see... The Lord had some thoughts about where Solomon was at at this time. Slide down to verse 9. Here's what it said. Uh, this is God's thoughts about where Solomon was at. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. The God of Israel, who had already appeared to him twice, although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. Verse 11 so the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, you've not kept my covenant, my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, verse 12, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I'll tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I've chosen. 
And if you keep reading there in chapter 11, the Lord begins to put the squeeze on Solomon. In other words, uh, the Lord's going to allow the consequences to begin to take root in Solomon's life. Uh, chapter 11, verse 14, if you still have your Bible open there, he allows Hadad, the Edomite, to be raised up. Chapter 11, verse 23, uh, a guy named Rezin, and they're hostile and they're attacking, and this peace and calm and prosperity that Solomon had enjoyed begins to disappear. Pressure, problems, struggles begin. And then you can read that uh, one of his favorite officials, Jeroboam, begins to rebel against Solomon. Solomon is paying a price. Give me your eyes. And every time you turn your back on God, I'm going to do it my way instead of God's way, there are always going to be consequences. And Solomon begins to feel the consequences of his disobedience. It seems likely that it was during this time of pressure and great trouble that Solomon writes down what we call the book of Ecclesiastes. He's, he's kind of looking back at the wreckage of his life and looking back at all that he had done and lived in disobedience, the foolishness of his drifting and wandering and walking away from the Lord his God. And that's when he writes this book we call Ecclesiastes. And he writes as a teacher. It's like, I want you to listen to me because I've been there and I've done that and I want you to learn from my foolishness. I've tried it, and I've tried it in a bigger and worse way than you'll ever be able to do. So why don't you read this book and learn from my straying and my disobeying the Lord? Okay? So Solomon uh, is going to write this down. I've been on this long journey, and basically he says, I've been on this long journey, and I'm going to try to find happiness and meaning and purpose and joy on my own in this world under the sun. In other words, I'm going to do it apart from God Almighty. I'm going to do it apart from Jesus Christ, and I'm going to try to find meaning and fun and happiness and lasting joy away from God. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. One other book that uh, Solomon wrote, most of it, is the book of Proverbs, okay? And that likely was written early in his reign when he was living strong for God, and Proverbs is a book of wisdom, a book of heavenly advice for earthly living. Proverbs, a book of heavenly advice for earthly living. Ecclesiastes... It's a sad and regretful testimony of the wreckage of a wasted life. I think uh, you're probably there already, but if you're not, locate on your phone or in your Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Let's begin our journey. Let's dig in. We're going to stand and read out loud verses 1 
to 11. This is Solomon's very sad and regretful autobiography. Read with me, please. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utter meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from. There they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this unique and very different point of view that you've given us called Ecclesiastes. Thank you, Lord, that it's real and it's gritty and it's honest, and we're thankful that we can dig in for the next eight weeks and learn from Solomon's rebellious and wild journey. So would you help us to learn? I'm convinced here, Lord, that all of us, starting with me, have much to learn from these 12 chapters. Teach us. Lord, would you correct us? Rebuke us. Train us. Lord, we're ready to learn from you and your word. Just pause for a moment, Lord. Thank you for the family that meets here at the Walloon Lake location. I pray for your blessing upon each and every one of them. I pray for the family that meets in East Jordan. Lord, I pray that you might bless Pastor Jason and Pastor Josh and Kelly today. And Lord, I want to pray today for the newest member of this family that meets in Alliance in the Northridge community. Lord, bless them today and Pastor Bob and Pastor Joe as they love and care for the flock up there. I pray for those who are hurting today. Some standing right now are in the middle of turmoil. Might your word, might your spirit, might your church bring healing and grace and comfort to those in need. And I even pray for those who are watching this on Facebook and on the website, Lord. Would you rain down even those watching right now and will be watching this next week, rain down your grace and your mercy in their time of need. So Lord, would you use these weak and goofy lips to speak clearly what your book has to say to us today? Speak, Lord. We're ready to hear from you. 
And all the church family at Wallen Lake said with one united voice, I begin with uh, this quote. I think many of you know or have heard of Pastor David Jeremiah. Uh, here's what he has to say about Ecclesiastes. You're likely to be startled by this book's starkly modern insights into the human condition. Its message is a contempor as contemporary as a postmodern university textbook. It's, it's as uh, contemporary as a celebrity interview or even a teenage suicide note. It's like an urgent email. E for Ecclesiastes. We've already looked at verse 1. Let's keep rolling. Verse 2. Meaningless. <laughs> meaningless, says the teacher, says Solomon. Utter meaningless. Everything is Meaningless. That's Solomon's conclusion over and over and over again. You need to know that life without God, life under the sun is futile and empty and meaningless. You try to find purpose in life outside of the Lord our God. Conclusion, vanity. It's a vain search. It's an empty search. 38 times in 12 chapters, He's going to shout that word, meaningless, empty, vain. He's going to repeat that word over and over. It's useless, it's pointless, it's empty. And if you'll think about it, during some bad times in your life, you've thought the same thing. I thought, what's the point? <laughs> this, this life, it's empty, life under the sun. Um, that's how most of the 7.8 billion people living today, 2019, feel after they've attempted to find meaning and purpose under the sun. That's what you need to understand. Most people today, this is exactly how they're living. Most of the 7.8 billion, by far, I won't even put a, a high percentage, live apart from God. They're not doing it God's way. They're not doing it in connection to Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes has how most people who we know, this is how they think. Why should we study? Well, if you want to know how most people think, study this book, because this is how they think. This is why most people that we work with, this is why they speak the way they do. Most people that we know in our neighborhoods and our schools this is why they behave the way they do, because they're living life under the sun. And now they're realizing it's pretty empty, it's pretty miserable, it's pretty fruitless. But I want you to understand, give me your eyes, this isn't just for the people far from God. Even though most of us here today, I suspect, would say, you know what, Pastor Jeff? I got my fire insurance. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, I've got my ticket to heaven because I prayed a prayer, uh, I raised my hand, I signed a card, I walked down the aisle. So, so I, I think I'm good. I, I think I'm good with God. Please understand, even though you might have made a decision for Jesus Christ, 
when we're not connected to Jesus and his spirit, give me your eyes, this is how we think. Ecclesiastes is how we, why we speak the way we do. This is why we behave the way we do when we're walking in our own selfish, sinful flesh. Do you understand? So we can think, well, this is for them. No, 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 no. This is how we are when we're apart from Christ, when we're not connected to Jesus Christ and his spirit and aligning our lives with his book. Do you understand? So this isn't just for them. This is for, oh yeah, this, this is me on the days or on the hours that I'm not walking in connection with Christ. Okay? Verse 3, continue on. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? It's talking about our work. Talking about our effort. All our hard work, all our effort. We die. We leave this place unchanged. And they hire somebody else to take your spot. <laughs> How fair is that? When I die, here's what I promise you. If the Lord doesn't return, going to replace me with another pastor. And then when he's done, they'll replace him with another pastor. And in a few pastors, they all, like, there was a pastor, Jeff. What was his like? I don't remember. He was goofy. That's all I remember. I promise you, the pastor that was here, three, four, five pastorates, if, if you don't look it up, you won't remember. No, no clue. And I'm sure everybody thought, well, no one will ever forget him. Verse 4, generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. It's like this merry-go-round, go round in circles, chasing our tail in circles, repeatedly doing the same things over and over and over again. Do you ever get tired of doing laundry? Do you ever get weary of doing the, the same dumb dishes? Do you ever, really, I got to go shovel the same area? I just did it three hours ago. <laughs> I just took the garbage out two hours ago. It's filled up again. I got a haircut last Friday. Here's what you need to know. In another month, I got to get another one. We keep doing the same. The bills you paid last month, are you ready? You know this. They're going to need paying again. I just did that. Come on. It's this circular silliness of life. It's repetitive. Much of it is boring. It's a rut. And you say, ah, will it ever end? And the answer is, no. <laughs> no, it's not going to end. It's exhausting. Verse 5, the sun rises, the sun sets, it hurries back to where it rises. <laughs> Again, he's looking at it from his perspective on earth. Sun rises in the east, sets in the west, sleep, repeat the cycle again. And it continues that way again and again and again. Verse 6 and 7, the wind blows to the south. The wind blows to the north, round and round it goes. The wind ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the ocean, yet 
the sea is never full. Solomon has noticed there's predictable patterns, predictable cycles on earth. And I won't get into it, but actually he noticed and documented some things that modern day scientists weren't going to understand for thousands of years. But that's beside the point. But very wise. Repeat over and over these cycles. They were happening this way before any of us were born. Give me your eyes. And they're going to be happening and they will continue if the Lord doesn't return after every one of us dies. These patterns, these cycles of the way this earth, this earth works. It, it just does it again and again and again. Verse 8, all things are wearisome. <laughs> More than one can say, the eyes never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. Here's his refrain. There's nothing new under the sun. It's, it's the same thing shuffled just a bit. Look, this is something new. No, it was here already long ago. It was here before our time. Solomon says we're restless, we're searching, we want more. We want more. Go back up to verse 8. I, I think this is fun because um, I've come to this conclusion I, I think right now on cable, there's like 300 channels, okay? And what I find interesting is, but that's not quite enough. I need Netflix because there might not be enough on 300. I need, oh, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I need Amazon Prime because they have a few things that they don't have. And then I need this thing called Hulu, and then there's something called Sling, and then there's a whole bunch of other things that I don't know about, so I'm not going to mention them because they might be bad. But my point is this, the eye can never have enough. Can I want more. I want to see more. can never have enough. Give me more. Uh, and can you ever really have enough music at your fingertips? <laughs> and uh, for a time, uh, they offered me a deal I think three months free, uh, Apple Music, free, free. And what they don't tell you is they don't tell you when they start charging after three months. They don't say, oh, we're starting charging. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, so it's all free. You, you can put in your cloud, and I don't fully understand that. Maybe somebody could explain it someday. But on my cloud, I had 500 albums, 500. Why? Because they were free. <laughs> they were free, you know? And, and you never really know um, my faves. Uh, I, can you ever really have enough available for my ears? No. That's what it says, verse, verse 8. Your ear wants more. And then uh, until I finally recognized, you know what? I was really only listening, Susan said, to about a dozen. Honest. I, I, I looked and, and I really, because you can look up and see what you've been listening to recently. And I hadn't gone beyond that dozen in months. True. But I really wanted to have. I liked the fact that my ears could at any time look at the other 500. That's what it says, verse 8. Verse 9. And we're always chasing the newest, the shiniest, the latest trinket, the freshest, new. I got to have it. 
Got to have it. How is it different from the last one? Well, well, it's new. It's improved. It's got, I got to have it. We're stuck in this circular rut of silliness, is what Solomon's telling us. And, and it's true today, perhaps now, even more in Solomon than in Solomon's day. But the truth is there's really nothing. It's a reshuffling of the same old ideas. So, so we think it's new, but it's really just adjustments to things that have already been. That's his point. And then we arrive at verse 11. Hard words for our ears. It really is. Okay. And here's, here's the message. You ready? I'll tell it to you before we read it. You're going to die, and nobody's going to remember you. You're going to die, and nobody will remember you. Let's see how he says it. (laughs) No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come. When they're born, then their generations won't remember them. (laughs) Okay? And some of you are thinking right now, well, I don't think that's true, Pastor Jeff. I think my family will always remember me. I think you're wrong. I think Solomon uh, is is not accurate here because I think my family will remember me. Okay? So let's do a little experiment. You up for an experiment? Okay. Here we go. I want you to, to, with your mouth, out loud, give me your answer. Okay? And and I'm going to find out who has an answer, and we'll see who's still in the game. What's the first and last name of your mother's grandfather? First and last name, think on it, and you're thinking, well, she has two. I'll let you go either side, okay? I'll let you go either. What's the first and the last name of your mother's grandfather? Go, first and last name, say it out loud to me. Okay, how many of you hands are up? Okay, we're down to maybe 15, and I'm being generous. Okay, next question. What's the first and the last names of your mother's great-grandfather? First and last name, not of your mother's grandfather, but your mother's great-grandfather. Father, I'll let you go either side. Uh, right now, tell me what it is. How many of you had an answer? Great grandfather. We are now down to. Was there any over here? I didn't see. We're down to two of us. <laughs> By the way, that was just four generations ago. Okay, final question. What's <laughs> what's the name of your mother's great? great, great grandfather. Go ahead, you two. Tell us the name. Was there a name? Did somebody know it? Somebody have a hand? Great, great, great grandfather. Now look back at verse 11. Breaking news. You and I are going to die And nobody will even remember our names, even our family. Hey, Pastor Jeff, I thought church was supposed to be a happy place. (laughs) 
I thought this was a place to come to be encouraged and have hope and joy. Well, welcome to church. Everything in life is meaningless, life stinks, nothing satisfies. We're all stuck in an endless loop that really is going nowhere. Thanks for coming, see you next Sunday. <laughs> Here's what I want to close with. I lived like Solomon in miniature this way for the first 20 years of my existence. I, I identify because I decided early, and I don't know where it came from. Yeah, I do know where. It was the old sinful, selfish nature of me. I wanted to be rich and powerful and influential um, in whatever it takes. Okay? So... I was going to attempt to live like Solomon describes, uh, obviously not in the grand manner he did it, but I was going to enjoy all the world had to offer. Now, being a little church kid, I was going to make sure I, I had my fire insurance, I had my ticket to heaven, I said yes to Jesus, uh, so now I was okay with uh, not going to hell, and I hope that I was good with the Lord because I raised my hand and I signed a card and I prayed a prayer. <clears throat> and oh, by the way, I believe Solomon knew Jehovah God personally. Jehovah God appeared to him twice, literally. Um, and then, just like Solomon, after I attempted to live this way for a period of time, the Lord began to put the squeeze on me. And he does that. In other words, uh, consequences begin to roll in on our foolishness and it crashes down on our head. And after a bit, we say, you know what, this is bad. I'm not doing well. I need help. And this is how it worked in my case. Jesus, help! <laughs> Take the wheel, right? Um, and at about age 21, the consequences had fallen on my head, and I realized I could continue in this drift, this wandering, this trying to find meaning and purpose in this fallen world. Or I can maybe consider an adjustment and do it God's way. And it was at that time, that's the first time I ever read Ecclesiastes was during that period. And, and it spoke to me and it's like it said, you know what? This is, this is me, only much smaller. And, and, and he's exactly right. And I said, I've had enough, Lord. I'm not ready to keep going this way. I'm ready to do it your way. And a verse, I remember distinctly being very clear to me. John 10 and verse 10. Gospel of John, chapter 10. It became very real. It begins this way. This is Jesus talking, red letter portion. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what Solomon's going to describe. 
Satan and this fallen world and our old sinful flesh that's drawn to it. And now I realized I had been stolen from. I was dying and I was being destroyed. And most of my life up to this point was a waste. I was doing it Satan's way. I was doing it the world's way. Or as Frank Sinatra would say, I'm doing it my way, right? Yeah, just, are you kidding me? Back to the text. But Jesus, look at verse 10. But Jesus says, but I've come that you might have life. And it's, it's real life. It's satisfying, fulfilling, lasting, purpose-filled life to the full, abundant, fulfilling, never-ending. You need to understand, <laughs> I was existing and surviving just without any real meaning, purpose, joy, satisfaction. So you're alive, but it's not real, it's not lasting, it's sad, it's a rut, there's no purpose to life, so you exist, but it's not what he's talking about here. So as we close today, I just want to point you to Jesus Christ. And not done it perfectly, not done it without a lot of stops and starts and step back several steps and move forward. But pretty much for the last 40 years, I've been testing this, okay? I, I, I tried it the first 21 years uh, like Solomon did in miniature, and now for the last 40 years, I've been trying it the way Jesus describes. And, and here's what I know. As long as I walk close with Jesus, stay connected when I fall, do the U-turn, write the check of confession, get back in connection, in alignment with Jesus and his book. Give me your eyes. John 10.10 10 is true. It works. <laughs> Jesus really does satisfy. So, sad reality Without Jesus, without aligning your life with his book, front and center, this world is sad and miserable and disappointing and grim. And most of the people we know, that's their reality. And oh, by the way, that's our reality when we wander and drift and stray from Jesus. Solomon says, life apart from God, meaningless, hopeless, sad, empty. But Jesus promises, I've come to bring you life to the full, abundant, filled with purpose and satisfaction and joy. Are you ready? And lots of happiness. So which way are you going? How are you living today? Are you chasing after stuff under the sun? Have you believed the lie of the deceiver, the thief, the enemy? Or are you ready to consider doing it Jesus' way? Come to me. 
I'll give you rest. I'll give you life to the full. We get to choose. Didn't create us robots. He didn't pre-program us. We have to choose. Fork in the road. I remember very clearly. Mm, I've been going this way for a long time. In general, I think I'm going to go that way. Starts with a decision. Going to keep going the way Solomon describes? Or are you going to do it God's way? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this book. It's unique. It's honest. At times, it's pretty grim and sad and exhausting. But thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, who brings meaning and purpose and joy. I want to pray for my friends here today most of them, I suspect, have fire insurance and hopefully their ticket to heaven. But the truth is, many of them have wandered and drifted and strayed. And maybe they haven't even thought about it clearly, but they're counting on money or pleasure or their job or something else under the sun to bring meaning and purpose to their lives. So starting today, would you begin to open eyes? Soften hearts, unblock ears, Lord. The enemy is a really good liar. <laughs> the thief, it does a great job of stealing, killing, and destroying. And Lord, that's exactly where some of us are. Anybody say as we close, Jesus, I, I need you to help me. I recognize... Uh, coming to that fork in the road and I can, uh, I can keep doing it the way the world does it, believing those lies and deceptions, or I can choose to get on your path, Jesus. Start the journey to stay connected to you daily, to live in alignment to your book and believe your book is where meaning and purpose and joy Work powerfully, Lord. Speak to us, we're asking, in Jesus' name.